All those days you felt like dust, like dirt, as if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners or swept away by the smallest breath as insubstantial. Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? These words are part of an Ash Wednesday blessing over the dust and ashes, written by Jan Richardson, a contemporary poet, pastor, and artist, someone who's beloved to many in our congregation. But they came to me, these words did, as I was reading and thinking about Ezekiel's vision of dry bones and what his own reflections may have been after witnessing such a sight in his mind's eye. Ezekiel is one of those prophetic books that's hard to read. In fact, I think Ezekiel should come with some of those reader discretion advised warning labels for some of those visions recorded in earlier chapters. So in this vision, in chapter 37, which we need to remember is in fact a vision, not the reality that Ezekiel sees, despite its vivid language, Ezekiel is describing a state of being that feels pretty descriptive of our world today. Dryness, parchedness, exhaustion, despair, feeling scattered, even insubstantial. There are these moments in our own lives and in the collective life of all of us humans that bring us to this place of feeling like we're just a bundle of bones stripped of all energy, vitality, and purpose. For Ezekiel and his community, those moments are summed up in the forced exile of the Israelites into Babylon. Unlike a good preacher and prophet, Ezekiel is working to make meaning out of meaninglessness, sense out of senselessness, and he's searching for a hope hold on grace that says exile is not the end of him, nor the end of God's people. I love the image of God's hand coming upon Ezekiel as the Spirit brings him to a place of vision and deeper awareness. It's kind of like God knew this vision would be hard to see. And the divine hand is the steady pressure on the back of Ezekiel's neck and shoulders, preventing him from turning away, but also acting as a comforting touch, connecting him to what will preserve him as he witnesses the world as it is. The state of human frailty, the outcomes of a lust to conquer and rule over those less powerful, but also the reminder to connect him back to what God says will come to be, which is that the reality of God is that dead things do not remain dead when the Spirit of God has the ultimate power to overcome what we think is the end with a new beginning. Can these bones live again? God asks Ezekiel, and the question throws off balance what Ezekiel knows. But he's willing to entertain the possibility. Oh Lord, only you know. I know enough about you, God, that there's nothing you can't accomplish, even with these brittle, dry, and bleached out bones that are before me, representing my heart, the spirit of my people, and all humanity when we are less than what you created us to be. God's spirit isn't done, not even with dry bones. 
not done with that feeling of wilderness inside of us, the sense of being thoroughly parched and baked by unforgiving landscapes and circumstances that simply being alive and a human being presents us with. God isn't done with these bones. God will raise them up through the words of a prophet who himself felt like one of those bones. God is not done, but promises to fill both speaker and skeletons with new breath, new life, and new hope. In the Gospel of John, Jesus took took what had been spoken about before by Ezekiel as metaphor and made it reality for Mary and Martha, Lazarus, and the many witnesses at that Bethany tomb. The grief over loss of life was palpable and fresh. Life had been thrown off balance for Mary and Martha. Yet they knew enough about Jesus that they believed their brother wouldn't have died had Jesus been there. They said if Jesus had been there in time, Lazarus and his bones would not be in that tomb on their natural way to becoming like the bones in Ezekiel's vision. It seems like there's no new reality that's possible. And the sisters are angry at Jesus, even in their grief that he didn't do more. But the miracle Jesus works in this story isn't just for Lazarus. It's for the sisters. It's for their community. It's for everyone who sees and hears this story, who has ever experienced spiritual dryness, physical pain, or emotional grief. Because the directions Jesus gives to Lazarus are like part one of Ezekiel's prophecy to the bones. Rise up. Be ready to be summoned to life again. He just needs one more thing. Breath. Breath which leads to life in a community of others similarly breathed upon and alive people. So Jesus commands the witnesses to unbind Lazarus and let him go. The call is to free up Lazarus's breath, to remove the barriers to a full inhale and exhale, so that he embodies the full prophecy of Ezekiel when the breath fills the lungs of those awaiting life. When I open up your graves and bring you out of your graves, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I The Lord have spoken and will act. Resurrection and life are central to the meaning we make for our lives, informing our sense of identity as disciples. In this respect, resurrection confronts us as an urgent call, beckoning us to consider the possibility that those whom our world deems socially, physically, spiritually, and emotionally dead might live into a new reality. In the gospel story, we are both like Lazarus, needing Jesus to call us forth into our true selves, back to life and filled with the Spirit. And we are the alive and well witnesses, summoned to unbind the Lazaruses of our world and let them go. Because all women, men, and children today are looking for communities that care about them, that are willing to nurture and strengthen them until they are able to walk 
on their own. To remove the grave clothes of self-doubt, isolation, marginalization, and oppression. To tear away the wrappings of fear, anxiety, loss, and grief. So that unbound, women, men, and children might now walk in dignity and become creative agents in the world for an enthusiastic life of grace. We need that now more than ever to be a caring, creative community. Though physically separated, socially very much connected, still looking for ways to unbind one another from the fear and the anxiety that grips us from time to time in these very strange days so that we might walk together in newness of life. For I believe when we do that, when we inhale God's holy breath that fills our lungs and life with energy, we become like new wine, possessing something powerful that will burst old wineskins, representing those worldviews that say dead things stay dead. There's no hope when we die and just take care of you and yours because you're all you've got and no one else will. Unbound, energetic, holy, breath-filled people declare otherwise. Sure, they know, we know, there will be dusty and dirty days ahead. There will still be days of grief and loss, uncertainty for how much longer, O Lord, will we have to stay home, to stay apart from those we love. We know those days are ahead of us. But we also know, as we remembered in the beginning, what the Holy One can do with dust and with dirt, with feelings of despair and hopelessness. We know what the Holy One can do with dry bones. And in the upside-down world of the gospel, the answer to whether these bones can live is yes, Yes, Lord, most definitely, yes. Amen.